Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. You may notice this episode is coming out a little late this week. Or on time, if you consider that it was also a little late last week. And like a third of our episodes in total. We're we're not always we're not always on schedule, but it's fine. It's fine. Anyways, I had to go and get an apartment this week, which screwed up the scheduling completely. But the good news is I get an apartment, and I'm moving in July 3rd. The bad news is that I spent hours and hours and hours of my life listening to an audio drama that will never finish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to impart to a lot of you who are listening to this now. Uh, and so for that, I will punish you by getting this stuck in your head forevermore. No, 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 Archie's no, 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 Palm no, no, Palace. Archie's <laughs> Palm G Palace. Jazz hands. We're going to get DMCA'd. I don't think we're going to get DMCA'd. We're going to get DMCA'd. What are they going to take from us? Our not money? <laughs> Yeah, we aren't. Our seven (laughs) dollars. We are making no money. So, um, Kyle, Eric, please, please don't sue us. Uh, I was going to ask how you're feeling. Um, you finished King Falls AM, and I assume that you were experiencing a lot of emotions. just want more Lily flirting with Emily in my life. I knew you would like her because she's gay and you love a gay. I didn't even know she was gay for a while. Yeah. They kept that one under wraps until she first said something about Emily being really hot and I was just like, wait, what? Because her producer had been was gay. Mm Mm-hmm. I think she might be bisexual or pansexual, but she does flirt with with ladies a lot. Though she does she does mildly flirt with Ben, but that's kind of her just making fun of him as well. Cuz she calls him short, dark and handsome. Short. <laughs> yeah. Of course average he's average height, height medium, medium rate. <laughs> Trash bears, oh my god! It's I, actually trash pandas. I yeah, he calls them garbage bears. Garbage which, bears, which I always found to be very funny because I've only ever heard them referred to as trash pandas. I've only ever heard trash pandas, and I love trash pandas. We love trash. We here on it's twenty twenty, and you're reading Twilight. Love trash pandas, and you have a danger noodle. I do have a danger noodle. He's a very good boy. Um. Well, I'm glad that we now have this shared trauma experience between us. I because... cried many times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Last time you hadn't gotten to episode 68 yet. And now you've heard all of it, which means you've heard episode 68. How did what you happened? feel? Episode, episode 68, 68? Was, when, was when Sammy was outed as being gay. And they had... Uh... Yeah. Spoiler alert, obviously, if you have that one actually, that one, that didn't make me cry. 
I sobbed I, hysterically when I listened to that one. I didn't actually realize entirely that was him being outed at the time. I didn't, I was not conscious of the fact he was intentionally hiding that he was gay. I only thought he was hiding his reason for being there being Jack. It wasn't oh. until, uh, like, <laughs> some of the responses that came that I realized that he was hiding it. That's why he, like, lost his shit, I assume. Because, well, not just necessarily that he was gay, but also the Jack thing. But, like, I both of them Jack. combined. Okay, okay, I understand. Yeah, so, uh... No, that would... But a lot of uh, the conversations between them where uh a lot a lot of sammy's like building people up moments made me cry oh yeah it's uh it's funny because um i so i think we talked last episode about the fact that most of our listeners found us because of this like zoom like collaboration session that i participated in with kyle brown the the creator and one of the writers on King Falls AM. And I remember when we were doing that, he like singled me out and like, we were talking about it and he, he was like encouraging me and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, it's just like what Sammy Stevens was encouraging Ben, like, <laughs> or, or, uh, or Herschel or whatever. Like when he was being so nice to everybody, it's, this is exactly what it's like. Cause Kyle is the voice of Sammy. Um, I, I, I freaked you out the other day when you let me know that you had finished and you like loved it and were upset that it was over. And I, I just, I DM'd Kyle on Twitter and I was telling him about it and he was like, oh, thank you. Like, I really appreciate it. And I hope that your friend knows that it, uh, it means a lot to me. And you were like, what? Yeah. I was not <laughs> aware that you like talked to him. Yeah. He, he follows me. We follow each other on Twitter, and he and sometimes he'll like like the more politically charged posts that I make. But then he'll also like really random shit. Like he, I made a tweet the other day about Nintendogs and wanting a new Nintendogs game, and uh, he I liked that, that one. I thought you didn't want a new Nintendogs. You just wanted them to port the old Nintendo. Yes. Oh my god. Don't you don't need to be a pedant, okay? I'm actually uh, peeing on the ants. I'm not an ant that's being peed on. Okay. Well. Is that animal? Okay, question. What? If Ed beats the shit out of Jacob, is it assault or is it animal abuse? You're such an idiot. (laughs) I hate you. I hate you so much. These are important questions. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's uh, assault. I don't think it's animal abuse because he's currently a human as far as we are in the story. But if <clears throat> later on, if he hit him when he was a wolf, then I guess that would be technically animal abuse. Is hitting a person animal abuse and we just miscategorize it as assault because people are animals? No. People are I people. Mean, what what do we where do we delineate between animal and person? We we delineate between 
things that can understand human speech. But then Jacob still understands human speech when he's a werewolf. He does. Therefore, it's not animal abuse. I retract my statement. What the fuck is this conversation? Can we... (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this. Can we just talk about Midnight Sun, please? You're welcome. It's 2021, and we're reading Midnight Sun, and we're almost fucking done with this book. When I got to the end One of this more section, episode. I'm not gonna lie, when I got to the end of this section, I was kind of like, man, can't we just keep going and, like, get to the end? Because there's not a lot left. I wasn't. I was really hungry and wanted to go eat when I got to the end. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was ready on time, so I had hours to spare. I had a whole day to spare. I had multiple days to spare because we didn't record on the day we were supposed to record. I didn't read it today. Ah, well, you usually do read it. Either, like, the night before and the morning of, or, like, just the morning of. I finished it all last night, I'll have you know. Oh. Good job. Thank you. I'm happy for you. I finished it all Wednesday night. Very proud of myself. I don't, so here's the thing. I don't know, like, I hope people realize that, like, we do record, like, Within 48 hours of when the episode is posted. Like, it's not like we put out episodes late just because we, like, don't get around to editing them. It's, like, it's because, like, if it goes out Saturday, it's because we recorded it on Friday. <laughs> uh, no, we we do all of the work within, like, a two-day yeah. period. <laughs> Everything gets done within a, like two days of the actual episode being out. Like it's usually we record on Wednesday. I edit it on Thursday, send it to Emmy, and then she will listen to it, let me know anything that needs to be edited. Then after work on Friday, I finish the edit and post it. And uh that's why we're, sometimes we're like we get out a little late. This shit. We are. We should honestly probably record it on like a Tuesday or something, so that. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to change because next week I go back to work. Oh yeah, I forgot. So You're gonna we're be gonna employed. have to figure out a new schedule. Yeah. Are you gonna be working like consistent days and hours? As yes. everybody wants to hear this, so. We'll we'll, okay. we'll discuss it later. We can discuss it later, so that everybody doesn't have to listen to us scheduling the recording. But in case you were wondering, yeah, that's uh, that's how we get all this done. So uh, that brings us to chapter twenty-one. <laughs> Unless you had something else to add before we get into it. <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait. One thing, one thing. So I had asked everybody on Twitter, and if you did not see my tweet or you're not on Twitter, I asked everybody for their favorite quotes. From our show, because I want to put together something for the ending of Twilight. And I want, I think it would be fun and cute for me to do this. So Steffi messaged me (laughs) with an annotated list of her favorite quotes from the show. Are you, are you ready? (laughs) Skills, Steffi. So she re-listened to all of it. So That's that not the she, first time. I know, so that she could get every single quote that she wanted. Not every single one. This is not an exhaustive list, as she has said. But she couldn't just send us every single episode that we've released. First one comes from episode one. Beaches should be hot and dry. And that is exactly how she should be around Edward. <laughs> Classic quote. Classic quote. Uh... 
foreshadowing. I want you to guess who said each of these as well. Because it's, uh, I, I remembered them being said. <laughs> the first one was mine. Yes. The second one is foreshadowing. People only have one shadow. That was you. No, that was you. That was me? <laughs> yes. I thought that was too clever for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was insinuating that something was foreshadowing and you didn't respond to the actual thing that I was saying. You just waited a second and said foreshadowing. People only have one shadow. I remember that one very specifically. <laughs> then, then it goes, there's, this is a two line quote. Uh, did your child write this? Did your child slam his face in the keyboard while you were writing? Uh, and then the next line is, literally my cat wrote a better chapter when he jumped up on my keyboard. That's you. <laughs> so actually, it goes, I said the first part, and then you said the second part. I can tell because the cat was a boy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Uh, this one is completely without context, and I do not remember who said it. Um, but it's just, he's a werebear. <laughs> That's me. That's probably you, and you're probably talking about, like, some big burly man being- It was, uh, I think it had something, oh, it was Emmett in the grizzly bears thing. It had something to do with that. Okay. Okay. Um, and then the next one is very obvious. It's the Cullens, am I right? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> uh, the next one is just Cactus. Oh, that's me. <laughs> that is you. That is you all the way. Uh, the next one is Quit Your Job. Also me. Also you. And the next one is When You Drive With Your Feet. <laughs> also me. <laughs> This one is, uh, the first time I said Edward was my least favorite character, and I really put some thought into it, and I'm gonna go with Edward. That was you. That was me. <laughs> uh, my, <laughs> my natural hair is more of a mahogany type of color. That was you quoting me. I was gonna say, that was hard, because that was me quoting you. <laughs> okay okay all i want to know is who the fuck keeps letting these hot red-headed vampires out of their sight was that me that was you that was definitely you uh the next one is just hashtag stay mad that's me that's you we were both saying it a lot though yes the next one is is she tough <laughs> that's you quoting a co-worker <laughs> about you about me <laughs> this next one is my favorite and it makes me laugh really hard <laughs> i'm not pro-choice i'm pro-abortion
It might have been you. I thought it was me. It could have been you. We can attribute it to both of us. We both win. I'm not pro-choice. I'm pro-abortion. That just made me laugh so hard, especially because the recent law change in Texas. Oh my god. Steffi, do you hear me chewing? (laughs) I think that one was you. But it might have been me. I don't, I don't remember. remember. I don't remember the. Co- I remember it being said, but I don't remember the context. I'm sure she's gonna come back with like who actually said all of these, but I'm pretty pretty sure I've got it all right. Um, and then <laughs> if Ed produces sperm, why can't vampires cry? <laughs> That's me. Oh, that was you. That one was you. I think she's a little biased. She always picks you. <laughs> I think I think it's more that you say m- way more like out of pocket shit that like comes out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> that it's just like okay, I can't I can't compete with that. Um. <laughs> so that was all of it. That was all the quotes that Steffi sent me. Thank you so much for sending me all of those. If you have some favorite quotes of ours, please, you can DM them to me. You can DM them to our Twitter, which is at 2020TwilightPod. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. And Emmy is at M of many names. Um, or you can email them to us if you don't have a Twitter and you don't feel like making one. Um, at LiteraryMastersPod at Gmail. Sorry, there's no at at the beginning. It is LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com. Um, and we always want to hear from you. And I really, I just want, I, I love reliving these moments. It's so funny to me to listen to, like, just think about all of these stupid things that we've said. So if you have some favorite quotes, please send them to me. I'm going to be making something, um, to celebrate the ending of Twilight. It probably won't be out, like, next week when we're finishing the series, but, uh, soon. Do you think Jerry Seinfeld sits there and listens to his own stand-up and laughs the way we laugh at our own podcast? I Just don't... like, man, what is with airline food? I don't think so, but I think that the big difference is when Jerry Seinfeld does stand-up, he's not already laughing the entire time. <laughs> like, I, it's so funny to listen to our show over and over again because... I was laughing the first time it was happening. And so, like, it's going to be funny to me the second time I hear it. (laughs) Anyway, um, thank you, Steffi, for sending those to me. They made me laugh when I read them the first time. They made me laugh just now. I will continue to laugh thinking about them. It's It's a great time. Um, anyway, so if we, if you are ready, let's discuss the chapter. Um, so chapter 21. Did you just lick your hand? No, I scratched my nose. It totally looked like your tongue just flew out of your mouth right onto your palm when you were doing it. Okay, chapter 21. (laughs) I did not, for, for anyone listening at home, I did not lick my hand. We are 20 minutes into this episode. (laughs) Let's talk about the goddamn book. Chapter 21. Ed and Bella head back to the Swan House where they encounter Billy and Jacob Black. Billy's freaked out and expects uh, Ed to kill everyone. Jacob is embarrassed that his dad dragged him here to spy on Bella and her boyfriend. 
Billy confronts Bella about the Cullens, totally convinced that she has no idea what they really are, and he's horrified when he realizes that she does know. Ed follows Billy and Jacob to La Push and listens to Billy, who is remembering the day he found out the Cullens were coming. He's just right up on that neck. Like... I know! It's so creepy. Oh my god. It, um... It was really... I remember it being creepy the first time when he, like, leaned over and kissed her. But this time, it's like you get to see it from his perspective and you know he's doing it just to make a point. Whew! We do spend the entire time uh, with Edward listening to Jacob think about how into it Bella was when (laughs) when Ed kissed her on the neck. Yes! And Jake concludes that she was very into it. And I like this insight into the way that he thinks in this book because it like it reinvigorates the idea that he was so sweet and nice the first time around. Like he's there and he's not like, I mean he's a little pouty about the fact that she has a boyfriend but he's not like indignant he's not being an asshole he's just kind of like oh man not that she has a boyfriend bro it's that her boyfriend is like a fucking leech like he just lives in her apartment and doesn't go to work (laughs) oh my god uh so then he listens to Billy's memory of um, when Carlisle called him to tell him that they were moving back to Forks. So Carlisle, he looks Billy up through a genealogist um, because he's looking for any descendants of uh, Ephraim Black. Um, And he informs Billy that they'll be returning to town. Um, Carlisle is super nice and cordial to Billy, assuring him that, like, no one would be in any danger, and that even if, like, some of the kids from the reservation went up to school in Forks, then it wasn't gonna be an issue, you know, um, that they were all just, like, gonna keep to themselves and that nobody was gonna be, you know, nobody's gonna be threatened. Um, Billy is, like, hella terrified and hangs up immediately when he hears, that there are now seven Cullens gonna be moving into town. This is like, okay, I understand that the werewolves don't like vampires. Yeah. But this is like living in an animal, or in, in an animal. This is like yeah, living inside living in of an, an animal. animal. <laughs> this is like living in an area where there are wild animals that are capable of killing people and are yeah. going to attack people. Except those wild animals are actually intelligent. Yes. And actively choose not to <clears throat> harm people and you're still terrified of them. And I'm just like, just because they can eat people doesn't mean they're dangerous. Like, I would understand him being, like, a little annoyed, maybe. I don't quite get him being like oh my god like the only thing he knows about the cullens is that they lived in forks never harmed anyone and signed a treaty with his people like i get being afraid of vampires but like these specific vampires like i'm afraid of most dogs i love dogs don't get me wrong but i was bitten by a dog in my face when i was a child and so therefore i am generally speaking afraid of dogs 
but I'm not afraid of my fucking dog. She's lived in my house, and I know that she's not gonna hurt me. That's kind of what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> reaction on Billy's part. It is. Now, there was one detail... <laughs> one detail in this memory that had me raging when I read it. So, while Carlisle is on the phone with Billy, he says, and I, I quote, knew it. knew it was coming. <laughs> we plan to stay in Forks for about a decade. I've been right the whole time. They have made, so we know that they moved into town two and a half years ago because that's the time frame that Edward gives for when Carlisle was calling Billy on the phone. Now, at, in the beginning of New Moon, it would have been about six months later, so we can assume that they've been there for three years, which means they have, Emmy, how many years left of being in Forks? Seven. Seven years left of being in Forks, but Edward's like, we were going to have to move on soon anyway. Sir? No, you weren't. This is such bullshit. They act all the time like they can only stay in one place for like a minute or whatever. They were going to stay here for 10 years. Now, I know in the grand scheme of things, as far as like immortal lore goes, 10 years is not that long, especially for someone like Carlisle, who's been alive for 360 years. It's a tenth of Edward's life. Yes, it's a tenth of Edward's life. It's actually a pretty long time. For Edward, Edward to is be the here. Oldest next to Carlisle. No. Jasper is. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I forget about Jasper being outside. Yeah. Out of Carlisle's actual family. Yes. Edward is the oldest. Uh-huh. And he's like, it's only it, like it feels so short, bro. That's like me saying that two and a half years is no time at all. It's like, like, yeah, I mean, it's time, but it definitely isn't going to fly by. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's no decade, but like, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, are you, oh God. When I read that, I was so mad. I was like, I've been saying this whole fucking time that they can stay anywhere they want for 10 years. <laughs> see you see what happens when you decide you're not a woman you actually get to be right sometimes <laughs> oh my god see these are the kinds of jokes i get to listen to all the time and it's not just from you it's from brandon it's from my buddy drew shout out to drew they make jokes all the time about me no longer being a woman. And I should probably clarify that it doesn't bother me. I find them to be very funny. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I have to, I get to listen to that constantly. Anyway, so Ed goes back to his house. He convinces Rosalie to play baseball with them. Then he heads over to Bella's. He and Charlie razz Bella for a minute. Then he and Bella head off towards the baseball clearing. Ed does that weird thing where he makes Bella come to get her to run with him. And then they go and do a baseball. Alice sees the rogue vampires coming and everyone has a little freak out while they try to figure out how to protect Bella. Even explaining that if Edward takes Bella and runs immediately, there is a possible future in which they are alone and outnumbered by the rogue vampires. Which I actually appreciated that as a detail. 
Yes, this this chapter made it make a lot more sense why they did not run mm-hmm. because the complete lack of explanation in the original was just yeah so Alice, confusing. We get we get a much better insight into how Alice functions in this book as well. And so now we know that she's basically constantly combing the future. And so she sees a future in which if they run right now, they catch Bella's scent and then chase after her and Edward. And then they are outnumbered. Um, I. This chapter was 40 pages long. Yeah, it was. Okay. A substantial portion of it was them playing baseball. Yeah. And I feel like for somebody who's enjoying the book, maybe that's a fun read. But for me, I'm just like, stop. I don't care. I don't give two shits about what's happening in this Immortals baseball game. Please just get on with the damn plot. Yeah, it was uh, really frustrating to get through. Um, because again, it just like, it felt like it was never going to fucking end. There was so many pages of them. Like that last scene that I read where like, oh, they, he goes to his house, convinces Rosalie. He goes to Bella's, gets, gets Bella and then takes her out and they play baseball. Oh my God. That took so fucking long to get through. And it, oh, oh my God. The, the thing with Charlie when he goes to get Bella in the first book, I was like, man, it's weird that he literally comes in, sits down for a minute and then immediately gets up and leaves. Yeah. It's even shorter. Yeah. I don't know how, because it, for the most part, every scene has been a little bit more detailed, which I think is good because we actually get, I think it's mostly because of Edward's perceived like better memory or whatever. But this scene was so fucking short. He literally goes in, sits down, and they, like, I think they make less jokes about Bella and then get up and leave. I was so confused reading it. I don't know how it got shorter, but I also do not understand why they went in and sat down if they were going to make it that short. I don't know. I'm still confused. Honestly, the going in and sitting down would be less confusing if they didn't make a show of, like, taking off and hanging up the jacket. Like, if they just went in, sat down for a second, talked a little bit, and then left, and he didn't, like, make a whole show of, like, taking off his jacket and Charlie took it and hung it up, it would feel less weird. Yeah, that does, that, that is a real big impact on the scene. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, when Brandon and I first started dating, my dad took him aside for, like, a minute or two to talk to him. But there wasn't, like, a whole show of, like, come in, sit down, stay a while. Um, I So, th- I've, I've spoken before about how I think there are a lot of parts of this book that were, we've been like, oh, this is better than it was in the previous book. And I think that it's done specifically as a response to fan criticisms of the way things were done in the original Twilight. And I think that Alice having this vision of them being outnumbered is definitely one of them. I can only imagine that that was something that people complained a lot about in the original book was that she says they have five minutes. Why does Ed not just take Bella and run? Forty pages. Forty pages. There's a hundred pages in this section that we. Uh huh. Oh yeah, I was One annoyed too. <laughs> 40. 
the other 60 were the other four. That's 15 pages on average for the other four chapters, and this one was 40. The final chapter I remember specifically was was 13 and a half pages. <laughs> anyway, no, that's the no end excuse. of chapter. That's the end of chapter 21. Chapter 20 Dose. So the other vampires show up and Laurent is taking the leap. And we learn, thanks to Ed's ability, that Jasper is actually shielding himself, Bella, Alice, and I believe Esme. Um, and so what he's doing is making it so looking at them is so extremely dull and boring that nobody wants to keep doing it. Um, and then Ed is all the while tapping his foot like he's anxious so that he can disguise Bella's heartbeat with it because they can't smell her due to the wind and the storm. Um, so that's why they don't hear or get her or smell her scent, which clears that whole thing up from the first book. Another thing uh, that I think was done as a specific response because... Oh, it had to be. <laughs> this Jasper's ability being this powerful, never coming up in the previous series is absolute bullshit. Like, the fact that he can, in a way, shield people from other vampires. Like, just from them, like, really noticing, like, how powerful they are. Or, like, noticing them as whatever. Um, th that would have come up. If that was something that was intended from the beginning. They do... Ed does point out that once they actually, like, have some reason to focus on one of the individuals. Like, when they catch Bella's scent, it doesn't work anymore. Like, yeah. Jasper has to drop it, or they know that somebody's doing something to them. So, at least, like, it's not so overpowered that it'll work no matter mm -hmm. what's going on, but... It, like, I like it as a concept, because he's essentially just manipulating the way that they feel about the specific people that he's shielding. And I understand, like how important it is that he be shielded because he was described as being so strong and powerful in later books that like, it wouldn't make any sense for these rogue vampires to be, to be so nonchalant about like being in front of him and stuff. Based so it on makes... what we understand, he, they would have seen him and fucking run. Yeah. Uh, and even Ed is like, I don't understand how in their minds, they're not all looking at Jasper because they're only looking at Emmett. Well, Laurent is also looking at Rosalie because he thinks she's hot, which Laurent I thought to, was really funny. Tapped at all on the floor. Um, but he's like, why are they only looking at Jasper? I don't understand. And that's when he realizes that Jasper is like, he's straining himself to shield himself and Alice and Bella and Esme. I don't I don't I don't know why he's shielding Esme. I think it's just because Esme is like next to them, so he's trying to keep the attention off of them as much as possible while Ed is on the end because I think Esme is on one side of Bella and Edward is on the other side. And so if he's not shielding Edward and he's looking like a fucking freak tapping his foot and looking really anxious, then they're not going to look at the others. And Ed's basically paralleling Victoria, who wants to get the fuck yeah. out. Um, but yeah, when they notice, uh, when they do finally notice Bella due to the wind changing direction, 
Laurent tries to smooth things over, as we know from the first book. But James now wants to kill him. Yeah. For getting it. And he's, it's like, Laurent literally has done nothing to him up until now. Nothing to upset him. But as soon as Laurent is viewed as an obstacle to James, James is just like, I, I'm going to kill this bitch. Yeah. Don't fucking speak for me. Which is interesting because in the first book, it definitely gives the idea that Laurent is a figurehead, but not the leader. And it's James that's the leader. But up until this decision here, in this version of events, it definitely feels like Laurent's the leader. Yeah. And not just a figurehead. It's it's funny to me knowing this that like first of all that the that Edward doesn't say something to Laurent later when they're in the house, knowing that James like a hundred because he even makes a comment at one point that their allegiances would probably change if he told Laurent that James was gonna kill him if he got in his way, so he doesn't tell him that, which means which leaves Laurent open for coming back in New Moon to kill Bella. And, like, and he does it on Victoria's request. Well, he goes back to check on Bella on Victoria's request, but... Yeah. Had he just been like, Laurent, they don't give a shit about you, and James wants to kill you now. He would have left and well, never turned back. Yeah, I don't think he would have given two shits what Victoria asked of him. Yeah, which is, uh, I know that this book was supposed to seal up inconsistencies, but that's a new one. That's a new inconsistency that I don't understand. I, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's an inconsistency. It's just a really stupid decision on Ed's part. Yeah. That would have avoided problems down the line had he not made that really stupid decision. Yeah. But maybe he just assumed because Laurent clearly already believes James is going to try and kill him regardless that it doesn't make a difference whether or not he tells him. Yeah, that's a good point. Um... Anyways, everyone splits up. Uh, Emmett, Alice, and uh, Ed take Bella as they did in the first book and everyone else leads the trio to the Cullen abode. And, uh, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, we have the scene in the car. We all know it. We all love it. And Ed's freak out and screaming at Alice constantly make a lot more sense this time around because we actually hear the mental conversation Alice is having with him that he's responding to and arguing over instead of just listening to him scream like a madman. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the main thing is that she keeps insisting that the most viable solution to their current situation is just changing Bella. Everything else will be problematic. She looks into the future if they try and just hold James off. And basically, Ed would have to take Bella and hide her places until she died. Yeah. He would spend literal decades just trying to get to her. Yeah. So you have <sighs> to either kill him or take away his reason to hunt. And this moment, more than anything, makes me question Ed's sensibilities in that this entire situation could have been over immediately. They get back to the house. 
Carlisle bites Bella, and it's done. That's, I mean, she or, that's all, she already is, I mean, she hasn't said specifically that she's ready to change, but we know that she is. She expresses that she wants to be with him forever. So, like. Honestly. I know that Ed makes a point that Carlisle, like, prefers to be more civilized at any opportunity. But that they they are going to defend themselves. So the moment he knew James was a threat to them in the clearing and they were all already there. I know. I know. Oh he should have just lunged. He should have just, just killed been him. Like Carlisle, yo, we don't have a choice. I can read his mind. It's bad. Yeah. They should have killed him right there. The more I'm reading this, the more I'm like, this could have been solved so quickly. And, and so you know much what? more didn't have to spiral out of control. Based on what we know about Carlisle in terms of uh, his opinion on their rules and morals is it's definitely a do your best, but ask questions and forgive later. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so it's not if like Ed it would have been a problem. If Ed had lunged. Now, they do make comments about, like, if we try to fight him here, then Bella could get hurt with you trying to protect her. There are seven of them. I know. There are seven of them. One of them is Jasper. One of them is Emmett. Alice can see the future, and Ed can read minds. I, like, it's... And Alice is a damn good fighter, from what we know, and so is Ed. Yeah. It's like, we've seen this time and time again throughout this series, where we're like... So the Cullens are kind of like a literal unstoppable team, right? Like there's no way that, that that anyone could ever beat them. Like we had a moment where we were like, I think the Vulturi might be able to just because there's like so many of them and they're so old and stuff like that. And then we were like, no, I think that they would still win. And then the pack would absolutely be obliterated by the Cullens. Literally the only thing protecting everyone that the Cullens don't like is the fact that the Cullens don't want to go around killing anything. I know. I know. It's so bad. Every time I read a thing where I'm where it's like, oh, we're in danger, I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're the Cullens. You are incredibly overpowered. Like And so what we see here is rewriting this from a new perspective doesn't solve every problem. It really doesn't, honestly. It solves a lot of the small weird shit, but there's still some pretty major issues that are glaring. I I made a note. Um, and this, this is a question that I asked in the moment as I was reading it, even though technically we get an answer in the next chapter. My question was just, even if they didn't kill him in the clearing, why do they not just all go back to the Cullen house and wait for him? I don't know. I can't figure out why they leave town. Bella could have just had that whole ordeal because she wants Ed to stay in town so that her dad won't think they just like ran off somewhere. The best option would have been to pull the whole stunt at her house and then instead of going to Phoenix, just go, just to, the Cullen go house. to the Cullen house, hide her there where you're all together and James is <laughs> what? And the thing is, like, they they even so they clarify about this later about why they don't do this because of a certain vision that Alice has. However, when they go back to the house. They can still hear James's thoughts because he's nearby. 
And I don't understand why they don't just go get him right the fuck then. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't get it. Because he's not just going to leave. That's where Bella is. He's trying to get her. And then I made a note that Emmett was best boy. Because there's a line where Emmett's like, wherever you go, I go. And Ed's like, no, you're not going with me. And Emmett is like, no. Because earlier, Ed had said that he owed Emmett one for something. And uh, Emmett was like, you owe me one, remember? And Emmett is is using his, like, owed favor to protect Edward. He's like... And go when, ahead. They're in the, when they're in the car uh, and... Ed is listening to his mind. Emmett has already switched over focus from the desire to beat the shit out of James into must protect Bella at all costs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He he like he first of all likes Bella immediately when he meets her. He's like, she's cool as fuck. And then he uh switches into immediate protector mode. There's like a part where it's uh it's in the next chapter, but when they get back to the Cullen place, Emmett, without fucking question, gets out of the Jeep, grabs Bella, and goes inside. And it's like, he's just, he's literally the best character in this entire series. You cannot convince me otherwise. Seth Clearwater is also great, but he's also just like, he doesn't really do much. So it's like, it's hard to, con- like, to say that, you know, he's the best when Emmett has all of these moments where you're just like, you're the best, dude. I love you so much. I love a himbo. Oh my god. Uh, but that's the end of chapter 22. Chapter 23. Uh, Ed, Emmett, Alice, and Bella make it back to Bella's place. Alice sees a future. This is literally the thing that I was just talking about. This gets explained immediately. Um, uh, Alice sees a future in which James starts to pick off a bunch of random humans to get close to Bella, which wouldn't be a problem if they would just go kill him right now. Um, Bella is a huge bitch to Charlie, and they all escape. Um, they go back to the Cullen place and split up their responsibilities. Rosalie barely manages to stop being a bitch for three seconds to stop Emmett from getting killed. Um, and then Ed, Carlisle, and Emmett take the Jeep and run, leaving Bella with Alice and Jasper. Seeing this scene through Edward's abilities makes Charlie's upsetness even worse because you actually get to see what's going on inside him. It gets even worse um, in the next Later. chapter. Yeah. It's not great. Um, but the only reason that I was like kind of excited to get to this part is because we're getting to the point where they're separated again. And yeah, so we're we actually- new shit. Yeah, we get new shit to like learn about what they did the whole time that they were separated from Bella. Um, but yeah, um, this chapter is pretty much part and parcel. Like it was, we knew what was going to happen. I actually, I'm not going to fucking lie. I skimmed over most of the part where Bella was yelling at Charlie. Uh, oh, I did too. I didn't want to read it like, again. No. I I didn't want to hear it. I love Charlie that Emmett leaped this. up into the trees to like, to like scan the perimeter. And as he was jumping from tree to tree, it was like, bending the trees as he went because he's so big oh my god big boy (laughs) but that's chapter 23 that one didn't really have much about it honestly 
chapter 24. Look, I have a new chapter. I have you a do. chapter of new stuff. It's not really interesting new stuff. Yeah. But it's it's new stuff. Yeah. Um, You get the good chapter of new shit. The fucking <laughs> insane chapter. Oh my god, the next <laughs> chapter 25. I was laughing hysterically. Anyway, chapter, chapter 25 24. is fucking psychotic. But yes. chapter 24... Um, Ed, Carlisle, and Emmett head up into Canada to lead James astray. Which, by the way, um, the thing that they're using for Bella's scent to lead James astray, it's the part of her that has the strongest scent. Her socks. Her socks. <laughs> which is just disgusting. Yes, absolutely. Also, the fact that... Okay, if her socks are the part that has her scent, her strongest scent. And that's still the scent that she gives off everywhere else. I'm concerned about the scent she gives off everywhere else. I know, honestly. <laughs> it's it, it was kind of baffling to me that James is supposed to be this, like, insanely, like, strong tracker. And for some reason, they drive, like, 600, 700 miles, if not more, and he never figures out that she's not in the fucking car. Like, they, they rub her I, socks my, the on fact shit. That the, the bathroom thing, like, does he just not think about the fact that a human would have to go to the bathroom? I doubt does it. Does he assume that she's going to the bathroom in the car? I don't think he, I, don't, th I, I have, I do not think for a second that he has any inclination that she would be going to the bathroom. Even Edward forgets that, she, that she needs to go to the bathroom and he lives with humans constantly. People go to the potty? Yeah. Why can't they, why can't vampires pee? They can come. <laughs> why can't they pee? That's all they can do. They can come and that's it. But like, okay, he talks about when they eat food, it doesn't leave their body. Their body absorbs blood. So are you telling me that if they drink water, it will just sit there as water in their stomach? Like, if they can come, why can they not piss? <laughs> I don't know, Emmy, please. You're asking too many questions. There's no time okay. to explain. Okay. Okay. Anyways. Um Ed gets tired of leading James on a wild goose chase. So he tells Emmett he'll buy him a new Jeep. And then they literally lunge out of the Jeep like going up a mountain. Uh-huh. And I guess it just rolls off the side of a cliff. I don't know. And they just start chasing James. Yeah. And then James leads them on a crazy chase through a bunch of lakes and forests before he ends up escaping in a small private plane. They thought he was heading for the ocean. No, he was going for a private plane. So then Ed and co return to Forks so that they can plan and decide that they're going to fly down to Phoenix. Small details. Uh, number one, in order to locate where James will pop out of a lake, because they can't search the whole lake, they use a system with Alice where they decide to split up three ways. Alice then looks and sees which of them finds James based on that, and then they all just go the way that person was going to go. Yeah. Um. Other small detail, when they return to Forks, uh, Ed looks in on Charlie and just sees him sitting there in silence in the house, not watching anything like he normally would, not doing anything, just 
empty and depressed. Yeah, very depressing. It it's uh it's not pleasant. Mm-mm. Also, he has the phone call with Bella about missing each other. That's not really important. Yeah. Um, they also call Esme and talk to her about what Victoria's been doing. And Victoria had, like, gone down by the airstrip. And she had, like, gone around to a bunch of buildings. At which point they do not figure out that she was probably looking for records on Bella. Yeah, the fact that they keep saying she went to the school... They say multiple times that she went to the school and they're not gonna. She's not gonna find anything about Bella in town, and I'm just like, what? What? It's really dumb. It's really dumb. They. It's the their biggest issue is underestimating Victoria's role in whatever James does, um, which I guess I can kind of understand because the entire impression they have of her from the clearing was that she just wanted to run the entire time. So I can't imagine that they would assume that she plays like a hugely instrumental role in what James does, but obviously she's helping him because she's still in town. She didn't run away. <sighs> yeah. So the entire chase scene was just a waste of pages. In my opinion, she kept describing the ways that they would go through lakes, how they would go over mountains and all this stuff. And I was like, I, first of all, am unable to picture pretty much anything that you're describing because it, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> Second of all, I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like I, I got to the point where I was just kind of skimming for dialogue. Cause I was like, and then if something important seemed to have happened, I would go back and read. It's, it's definitely like, this is a chase scene in a book. A chase scene in a book can serve a purpose if it ultimately leads to some something important happening during the chase, something impactful on the narrative yes. happening during the chase, or the chase culminates in an important event, but it doesn't. It just culminates in James leaving, meaning that there was never any purpose to begin with, and we don't, there's no character growth or realizations or solved conflicts or anything during the chase it's just a chase yeah and i guess i don't really know a better way of accomplishing what stephanie meyer accomplished here which was illustrating the way that james kind of fucks with people but it i also know that i was i think it just comes down to the fact that the way that she writes is agonizing to get through it's too wordy. It's too dense. I just don't like it. I don't care. I don't care. But the next chapter was fucking crazy. So I'm going to move on if you're ready. Go for it, homie. All right. Chapter 25. Ed, Carlisle, and Emmett land in Phoenix. And Ed is hella anxious to get off the plane. Which, bro, I feel you. I hate Emmett on the plane. Wearing a sweatshirt multiple sizes too small for him. I'm enjoying that mental image. (laughs) (laughs) So they find Alice and Jasper, realizing that Bella has vanished. Um, Ed reads Alice's thoughts, seeing a lot of blood, and they theorize that that James has taken Renee, probably having already killed her. Um, they steal a ridiculous car that is literally orange and purple with weird bulbous bubbles it's, all over it's it. It's purple. It's purple. And then 
orange bubbles rising out of the purple like a lava lamp. Yes. Um, and they, they go, uh, the following sequence is incredibly Fast and the Furious. And while it's super dumb, I do find it to be funny, probably because I love the Fast and the Furious. Oh, this next part, like, I actually enjoyed reading just because I was like, what the actual fuck are you doing? So what she does not illustrate all that well, because I reread this portion several times because I was confused. The police are chasing them the entire time, but like she only mentions it like weirdly and scattered. It's not like she mentions when the police start chasing them. Um, So Jasper keeps everyone focused as Edward pushes the car to its limits on the way to Bella's ballet studio. So they have to get a different car because the police are chasing them in this ridiculous monster of a car. So they 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 stop to steal another car by blocking they... a woman in on underneath an, an overpass. Um and then Emmett and and they drug her to they get her out of the car and then Carlisle drugs her. Um I'm sorry. If it sounds like I'm stammering through this, it's because it's fucking stupid and crazy. Emmett tosses their old car tosses it with his hands into oncoming traffic, causing a massive pileup. They do say that Alice sees a lot of injuries, but no fatalities, but still, what the fuck? Um, and I, like, I, I was so baffled at this point that Carlisle was just happy to go along with everything that was happening right now because they were causing so much fucking damage. I also don't understand why they weren't just taking their own car. <laughs> why were they not just taking the Mercedes? We know yeah, he can like, drive fast. The car, the cops are going to be looking for the owners of whichever car is taken. And I'm like, okay, just use it like it's stolen then since you just stole the other cars instead of like using the keys, just like hotwire that shit. I don't know. I, I don't make understand. it look stolen yeah i don't understand why they don't just use their own car i don't understand i okay anyway so um when ed gets a glimpse of bella with james he starts to lose control but jasper tries to refocus him the whole fucking time he has to listen to bella screaming and watch her being killed in alice's visions like, the way that it's being, it's, I, this was actually really good. Like, I thought that this was a pretty decent moment because as they're getting to the studio, getting out of the car and actually, like, arriving there, he's seeing everything that's happening 30 seconds ahead of when it's actually happening. He makes a comment at one point that Alice can see Bella approaching the studio and then he gets to a point where he's like, he can't, she can't see Bella approaching the studio anymore. It's already happened. And so as they move forward closer and closer towards the studio, Alice can see further and further because she's constantly looking 30 seconds ahead into the future. So he can see Bella being thrown against the wall, crawling through her own blood. Like, it was intense to read. At one point, Ed goes hive mind. He blows off both his mirrors, one on a concrete wall and the other on a passing on a car he's passing and uses Carlisle and Emmett's vision as rearview mirrors after taking off his 
and then uses Alice as his view into the future of what's going to happen on the road. So he is listening to three different minds simultaneously and using them as basically a GPS navigation system. It was baffling to read. It's the most action-packed sequence there has been in any Twilight book. And we didn't get... It was in the first one, too! But we didn't get to see it, or hear about it, or anything. Edward never mentions the fucking insane car chase that he was in to Bella. Bro. (laughs) But that's the end of chapter 25. I read a little bit ahead, a couple pages, uh, but then I stopped myself because I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to continue. I did not read ahead. It is all a mystery to me. Um, I already know that I'm going to be raging next week because of something that happens within the first two pages of the next chapter. <laughs> Well, I hope you're all looking forward to that. Looking forward to some moth rage. I, I, I'm so, I'm already angry about it. Oh my God. But I can't get into it now because we haven't gotten there. And our lovely listeners might not have gotten there either if they are following along. Um, overall, this section was okay. Um, it added some stuff. Like we got new shit and chapter 25 was wild. So, you know. Um, if only every chapter could be chapter 25. I know, right? (laughs) Um, it's, I'm appreciating us getting explanations to these things that just made no sense in the first book. However, they don't feel real because it feels like she made them up because of the logical inconsistencies in the first book. It definitely feels like this should have been the first book. Yes. But like, there would be no questioning what's happening in these events if this had been the first book. I also, like, this quote-unquote should have been the first book, right? However, I think a lot of this stuff straight up didn't exist in the first book. Like, there's no way that this ever could have been the first book because so much of it is just her retroactively adding things to make everything make sense and to make she, like, the story good with enough work she could have found the plot holes herself and fixed them in the first she book. definitely could have i also don't think anyone anticipated how big this series would become so like no. i don't think it was a huge concern of the publishers to like nail down the book as tightly as they possibly could i think they just wanted something that was decent that they could sell. Samuel Little Brown. Well, follow us on Twitter at 2020 Twilight Pod. M is at M of Many Names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020 Twilight Pod. Email us at literarymasterspod at gmail.com. Uh, do you have any final words before we conclude this episode? Play me out. Um do 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 Archie's Palm No pass. shut up No stop I can't ah! I'm leaving the Zoom call goodbye Goodbye <laughs>